0: buddy. It's me. What's on? Um, I was thinking how funny it is that I have been here for just over a year, but there's still so many people I haven't like said hi to. I'm notorious for just being in the same spot. So when they're like, meet someone new, I'm just like swivel on one foot and it's the same people. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm excited to have you guys get to know me a little bit more as I share with you. Um, and yeah, so privileged to have been asked. I'm just really excited to be here with you. Um, so yeah, let me pray and then we'll jump in back into Matthew. So, Father, we thank you so much uh, for, yeah, just this Sunday and just this time that we get um, to come together and spend just looking at, at you, um, what you've done and how you did it and the invitation you give us to, to do the same. Um, yeah, Father, I pray that as we read your word and look at, um, yeah, the things that you hold dear, that um, your Holy Spirit would be making them dear to us as well. Father, I pray that you would, um, yeah, change us as we encounter you. Um, and yeah, just pray that you bless us this evening. Amen. Um, So before we read um, our passage, a little bit of context. If you weren't here last week, the wonderful Maddie uh, walked us through the story of Jesus flipping tables at the temple. So he's gone in and they're doing all sorts of stuff they're not supposed to be doing. They are overcharging people uh, for changing their money. They're overcharging people for pigeons to make sacrifices. There's just general corruption in the temple and Jesus is not having it. Um, And he flips the tables and sort of right after that scene is where Matthew brings us in, in chapter 21. So if you have a Bible and you open Matthew 21, 18 through 22 with me, that is what we're gonna read. So yeah, right after the temple, we get this story. So early in the morning, As Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again, and immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, But you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I definitely remember hearing this as a child and being like, tight. Anything, if I believe in it, I'll get it. That's how it works, and I have this distinct memory of after church, we've, I'm from Ireland, I don't know if that's coming across, but um, <laughs> we lived on this row that had like a little shop on the end, and after church, we'd walk down, and I was really into these white chocolate bars called Milky Bars, I don't know if they're here. No, great, they're great, you're missing out. Um, and my mom was like 50-50 whether she'd get one for me, but I remember being like, well, Jesus said, <laughs> if I believe and ask for anything, I'll get it." And then I remember, I just have some memory, like halfway down the road, I was like, I'm going to get it today, because I believe and I don't doubt it's going to happen. And it did not happen. And so I was like, I'm sure Jesus isn't wrong, because I'm seven, and odds are that I'm wrong. <laughs> but um, I don't know what's going on. And I feel like this passage has been a bit like that when I've read it before. I'm like, it feels like two separate things, but they're happening at the same time, so maybe they're one thing, and how does, what does that look like? Um, and so it wasn't immediately obvious to me when I read it how these things uh, connect, but it's a little more obvious, not obvious, it's a little makes a little more sense now, so I'm hopefully I'll make a little more sense to you as well, unless you just got it right off the bat, then good for you. Um, so there's two kind of things, there's like fig stuff, and then there's this mountain prayer stuff. Um, so we'll start with the figs. Um, Jesus just hates figs, apparently. That's kind of what the vibe we get, he's like, no. If you're not the best fig tree ever, you're done. Um, That's actually not what's going on. I'm sure Jesus really liked figs, which is why he wanted one, why he went over to pick one. But um, Matthew, our author, thinks that we probably know a little bit more about the Old Testament than we do, maybe. Um, And as an author, he's actually writing to a Jewish audience that he's like, they would have sort of these references and verses and allusions in their back pocket in their context. So when they read the story of Jesus encountering a fig tree, immediately their brains are like, oh, figs, (laughs) I know what that is. Um, And so we maybe need a little more help making the connection. Um, Fruit trees and figs have actually been used as symbols and metaphors for the Jewish religious system uh, for a long time. The prophet Isaiah famously personified Israel as a nation, um, as a vineyard that God um, had planted and he expects to grow fruit from, because why else would you grow a vineyard, um, but we see in Isaiah five or seven that oftentimes when he would go and look and inspect his vineyard, he wouldn't find what he hopes to see. And so in Isaiah five or seven, we get, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. It's not the first time that God has come to his nation expecting fruit, expecting to find something and finding the opposite instead. The prophet Micah as well comes in with a direct fig tie-in talking about how Israel and Judah um, in chapter seven, he's talking about them and he says, uh, what misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood and they hunt each other with nets, which is like the opposite of what God would want his people to be doing. Um, the net's image is funnier than it should be. I don't know, I just gets me. Um, but, but Mike is also creating this image of this fruitless fig tree. Um, and it's, it's a picture of Israel's moral and religious failure that I think inspired part of Jesus' acted parable in this moment. He's just come out of the temple where he probably expected to find righteousness and he ex- expected to find uh, proper sacrifice and holiness and his people doing what he's asked them to do and instead he finds corruption and oppression of the poor. And he is as clear as he was when he was flipping those tables that this is the end of that. Um, we're not doing this anymore. The account of Jesus cursing the fig tree in Mark actually weaves it together even more, where if you read the story in Mark, Jesus encounters the fig tree, sees that there's no fruit, curses it, goes to the temple, and then after, comes back and finds it withered, which is weaving this idea that the fig tree actually has more to do with the temple than it does with Jesus' relationship to figs. Um, And Jesus would have gone to this fig tree and hoped to have found some fruit because um, they were leaves right so it's giving off the impression that there should be fruit there which is why jesus goes to check and it doesn't find any um, and the idea is it can kind of be summed up like this <laughs> that a tree that promises fruit but provides none is an apt symbol of a religion without godliness that the temple's all there and they're going through the motions of preparing for the sacrifices and everyone's there at passover but really the fruit of it, the holiness that provides for the poor and acts justly, isn't. It has all the leaves, it has all the show, it has all the decoration, but it doesn't have the fruit that Jesus is actually looking for. The fig tree which produces leaves, therefore promises fruit but offers nothing, is a picture of that empty worship of the temple. The withering of the tree is an invisible pointer to the fate of that temple, that it's not going to continue the way it is. Jesus will do something about it. He will stop that empty worship um, and the the oppression of the poor that's happening, which is a big moment. It's a weighty statement. He sees this tree, he's like, you're done. Tree withers, amazing. The temple, all this stuff, and the disciples are right there and they're the best. Um, Because that's not really what they pick up on. (laughs) They see Jesus wither this tree. We're like, yeah, that's the temple. Stop unrighteousness. And then the disciples are like, How did the fig tree wither so quickly you know it sort of goes (laughs) i think uh it's not the symbolism that the disciples are picking up on um but it's more so the power of jesus's word and their response kind of implies a different sort of question when i read it i think i hear them being like ah how did the how the fig tree wither so quickly how how would someone go about withering fig trees if it came up came up to it (laughs) um how did you do that can we do that Is that one of the the things you're teaching us to do? Um, They're not like, yeah, Jesus, take down the unrighteous temple, let's restore holiness. They're like, that's that's cool, that would win at a party, let me do it too. Um, And Jesus, ever patient, meets them in his response, and then we get into this mountain prayer bit. And he says, "Um, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you'll not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but you'll throw mountains into the sea and it'll happen. And they're like, oh, that's way better than the fig tree. Mountains are much bigger deals. That's great. Um, And I think at first reading this, Jesus says, if you have faith and don't doubt, right? Which sounds like two sort of ideas of like a really strong faith, as if you can have faith that also has doubt or doubt that doesn't have faith. But we we know from reading Matthew that you don't need particularly massive faith. If we think back to chapter 17, where he says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, if you have the smallest amount, these amazing things can be done. Extraordinary things, seemingly impossible things can come to pass. I don't think that Jesus is terribly worried about rearranging the geography of um, Israel. I think he's on board with it. He made it in the first place. Mountains are good where they are. Um, I think it's probably a secondary concern to getting his people to stop treating each other so terribly. Um, Matthew has already talked to us about the power of prayer um, and the generosity of how God responds. If you remember chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it'll be opened. But this import, sort of important qualification comes about in our, in our passage in 21, where this like blank check um, sort of idea of prayer, anything you ask, is offered only to those who have faith. And faith in Matthew is not the quality of the person praying, but rather, I'd say a relationship of practical trust. To have faith in Jesus is not just to think, oh, I bet he's real, but this relationship of actually trusting him, of, of knowing who he is and what he's about, and having faith in who that person is. Um, I think the faith he's asking us to have is not in the mountain, in that the fact the mountain could move, but rather that Jesus is the one who could move it. Am I to have faith in the things I can make happen or the one that I'm asking them to, the one that I'm asking to make it happen? Sometimes I know I'm guilty of having more faith in or believing more in the changeable nature of something than actually trusting that maybe Jesus has something else that he wants done. Um, That's why I think at the end of this passage we have this kind of clause that whatever you ask for in prayer you will receive if you have faith. Um, it's when we pray that we commune with God, that we hear his heart, that we know who he is, that we build that relationship, that we get to know Jesus. And as we come to know Jesus more, we start to see his kingdom and what it looks like um, and what his actual values are and what are the things that, that matter to him that he would want us to be praying about and for and that's what he wants to, when he invites us to partner with him and like be in the world, and create the kingdom of God with us. Um, We can only really do that if we know what kingdom he wants to build. What what does he want to see done in in our world? The Holy Spirit transforms us and we grow in holiness and we actually start to pray prayers more and more in line with what Jesus is doing. We start to see what mountains need moving and we start to seek what he wants us to find and knocking on the doors that He actually wants us to open. Rather than looking at the mountain that you perceive to be in the way, and if only this thing was gone, if only this was different, everything would be better, we actually start to see things maybe a little bit more from His perspective. When I think about my prayers, um, some of them, (laughs) if all my prayers, the way that I prayed them, from my own view and standpoint, were answered today, it might be kind of all right for me, but probably not great for a lot of other people. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm studying Job right now for the school I'm doing in YWAM and more and more I'm like, oh, my perspective is not God's perspective. <laughs> the things that I think need to be changed and the, everything I would throw into the sea, he's like, actually, that's a good thing that I actually need for someone else. Could you stop praying for it to fall into the ocean? Um, but yeah, I want to be someone who produces not just the leaves of my faith. I don't want it to just look good and sound right and do the bits that feel appropriate. Um, I wanna bear actual fruit, that when Jesus comes to look, that he'll be pleased with what he finds. And he won't be surprised, because we'll have done it together. That through the prayer and the relationship that I've built with him, actually the things I'm praying for and seeing happen in the world are the things that he wants seen as well. And we'll have done it in that partnership. And I think that's when we really see the impossible happen when we lean into the types of things that Jesus wants to do that are so outside of our like, context because we don't think <laughs> as big as he does. Um, I think as, as a missionary with YWAM, I'm in this really privileged position where really often we have to depend on the Lord for it, like impossible things. <laughs> sort of have to stare them down and be like, God, it feels like it'll all fit in your will. You really love people and you really love <laughs> the gospel and you want people to know it but here's this impossible situation like nobody has money nobody has passports nobody has half the stuff they need to actually go and do this thing but we know that you care about it so would your will be done and then that impossible situation is like like thousands of dollars appear overnight or someone's passport's miraculously expedited or there's like insane visa happens and yeah we we get to move in that partnership with jesus When we ask him, what does he want to do? Um, Yeah, the fruit of our lives is how we'll know if that's happening. There's tons of fruit imagery in the Bible. You can take your pick if you want the fruits of the Spirit. Um, Any of those fruits, you can have them. Um, But let's not be people who are found fruitless. Let's not just have the leaves of, um, yeah, looking good and sounding good and doing the right stuff, but real, real fruit um, that Jesus isn't he's not unhappy when he doesn't find it. Um, Yeah, let's be people that in our communities and in our families and in every area of influence that we have, let's inspire one another towards that holiness, uh, towards prayers that partner with what God wants to do. Maybe there's some impossible thing that you feel like is sitting in your life right now and maybe you have an exact idea of what throwing into the sea could look like and you've been contending for it for years. Um, or maybe there's something that feels impossible that you haven't even dared to start praying for because you're like, it's actually just too big. That's a literal mountain <laughs> and I need it to move and I don't know if Jesus can do it. I don't know if he will. I'd love if we took some time to pray with faith in the one who saved us, that his will would be done his way. That if he is inviting you to contend for years and years just to build a relationship with him, just to trust him, that in his timing it's still good If he hasn't moved it, he has a reason, and it's good. If you haven't been brave enough to ask him to move it, he's just waiting for you to actually come and actually partner with him in that trust and relationship, and then you'll see him do something impossible. Luckily, just as the disciples didn't always really know where to start (laughs) or what to do um, or how to begin, Jesus helps us out in Matthew 6 when he tells us how to pray. What does it look like to actually pray with him with faith and to not doubt? And so um, if you would stand with me, if you're able and willing, we'll pray together. Um, if you want to pray along out loud, that's cool. If it's a little like chanty for you, then I totally get it. It's like 2022. It's really weird to say things in unison as a group. Weird vibes. I don't know. Um, but it, it's the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to do it a little differently. So I grew up in a small um, town on the west of Ireland, and we all the primary schools were Catholic primary schools. It's great but they made us pray all the time it was like morning when you get up when not when you get up when you get to school you pray for the day and you would pray the our father the hail mary and this like i can't remember what it's called but it's like a prayer of like repentance because you've obviously done something wrong that morning already and then you pray again at lunchtime for the stuff that you did wrong in between the morning and lunch and then you pray after lunch for the stuff you did wrong at lunch <laughs> and then you would pray before you go home for all the stuff that you did wrong then um, and but so the our, our father a lot and i think it's kind of worn off on me the weight of it and it, I, you know when something becomes really familiar it doesn't like hit quite the same um so what i'm going to do is i'm going to read it as it's written and it'll be on the screen if you want to follow along and then i'm going to pray it in irish because people love that but it's also like that every tribe tongue and nation will one day gather and praise the lord in this way they'll have found that partnership in faith, they'll have been bearing fruit the way that he wants it born. Um, And yeah, if you, I don't know, have a different, not that Irish is my mother tongue at all, (laughs) not fluent, Um, but did you know this prayer? Um, Then yeah, pray it yourself. Um, And then I'm gonna pray it a third time the way that I'm trying to pray it more and more now. I'm trying to look at the things that Jesus highlights and ask, how do I make this a part of my life? How do I make this a part of my world? And I'm gonna pray it for us as a church, so you can expect three versions of this prayer, and hopefully it doesn't get repetitive. So I'm gonna read the first little bit, then we'll read this. If during any of that time you'd prefer to sit, that's fine. No pressure. Um, but yeah, Jesus starts in Matthew 6 with, And when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly i tell you they've received their reward in full but when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you and when you pray do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they'll be heard because of their many words do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Therefore pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Arnahar, Atar Nav, gadaga Gadagadhirict Father God, you are high above everything on earth. Who you are is holier and more beautiful and more good than any other. Would your rule and your reign come into our world? would things be done the way that you intended them to be done, so that our home would look more and more like how you created it to be. Father, we ask for your provision and your guidance and your strength, acknowledging that we need it every single day and that we cannot survive without it. We ask for your forgiveness for all the ways that we fall short. And ask that the grace that does forgive us again and again would spill out of our lives and help us to be forgiving in every relationship that we have with those who have also missed the mark. Would you help us to steer clear of the things that would corrupt us and save us from anything that would lead our hearts away from you? We thank you that you've defeated the one that seeks to kill and destroy and that you lead us into the fullness of life instead. Yours is the glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen.